$10 gift card you purchase, get a $10 gift card for yourself. Stop by today to pick out your gift card. Or schedule an appointment. Call 781-834-6558. And taking a look at sports, you've got the Bruins hosting the Florida Panthers tonight at 7. The Celtics host the Indiana Pacers Wednesday night. That's at 7.30. And Christmas Eve at 1 p.m., the Patriots hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. Now with their latest forecast, here's our meteorologist, Rob Gilman. On the cold side, really in line with the season as we go through the middle of the week ahead of the next Powerful storm approaching, and tonight, brisk, clearing, a low of 26. Tomorrow, a little nicer to get out with a little less wind, a good deal of bright sunshine. You're 40. Tomorrow night, clear, and low 20s in some low spots, 28 for the city. Wednesday, rather tranquil much of the day with high pressure nearby, sunshine, and some high cloudiness moving in, the high 39. Thursday, that storm approaching from the west, clouding up. By late in the day in the evening, a shower, some drizzle around, a high 43. Friday, we'll be in the storm's track, and again, we'll be on the milder side as we were last Friday. This time around, the wind's gusting higher, 55 miles an hour and more, and that can bring down some trees, tree limbs, and power lines. The high 58, watch for coastal flooding at the high tide. Christmas Eve day and Christmas Eve will turn Brisk, drier, and cold. For WATD, I'm meteorologist Rob Gilman. Right now looking at 34 degrees outside our South Shore Studio 613. That's local news. I'm Christine James. Stay tuned for Monday Night Talk with Kevin Tauchi right here on 95.9 WATD. WATD presents Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. If it's Monday night, it's got to be Monday Night Talk with Kevin Tachi. So thanks for having me on. Kevin, good for you to hold back and let him tell his story. Putting the South Shore spin on politics, current events, and pop culture. You guys are the center of the universe today. At least the political universe. I believe both of you are, are from the area. Marshfield guys, yes, no? Correct, yeah. That's right. There's only one person not from Marshfield in this room right now. That's you. It's me. I'm the outcast. Well, you've always been generous with the time. I appreciate it very much. Well, I'm honored to be on your show tonight, Kevin, with that impressive lineup you have. I believe our guest that we have been waiting for, Congressman Stephen Lynch. Kevin, good to join you. The governor of the Commonwealth, very Charlie good. Becky. You ready? i got to tell you that uh, it's really nice to hear Aerosmith on the intro there. You're going to be the rock and roll governor? I don't know about that. But. <laughs> we have Mayor Joe Sullivan joining us, sir. How are you? Well, Kevin, very good to be with you again. Dr. Drew Pinsky. Dr. Drew, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Mr. Ming Tsai, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Massachusetts State Auditor Suzanne Bump. Hello, Auditor. How are you? I am fine, and I'm delighted to be with you this evening. And now, your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome and good evening. You are tuned in to Monday Night Talk. Here on 95.9 WATD, coming to you live from Broadcast House in Marshfield. So we have uh, one heck of a show lined up for you this evening. If anything, we have some new wrinkles to the show, something that we'll look to expand upon in 2023. Of course, we'll kick things off with the old reliable, the State House Report long been a staple of this radio show, something that uh, we do on a regular basis, something that the show has done since I was able to get behind the microphone and welcome in other guests, other voices, folks from different walks of life, whether it's 
on the legislative side to community-based. We'll have Dave DeCoast uh, re-elected to another term, serving as the uh, state rep of the 5th Plymouth District. We'll get a chance to catch up with Dave, see how things are. Another close race, uh, successful. With it, he gains uh, a little bit of a shift, a change in his district. We'll chat about that. And we're going to chat with him some plans for the new term. He plans to explore and do. Maybe even legislation. We're going to see a different looking uh, Massachusetts, uh, Massachusetts state legislature. We're going to see uh, a different administration. We get Dave's, ta- Dave's take on it. As I said, uh, adding a new wrinkle. Kind of a, doing a little bit of a test drive this evening. Uh, right now, it's it's early name is called the Municipal Update or Updates. Ideas to bring in voices from the different municipalities that we have here on the South Shore. As media dwindles these days, less is the information that gets out. Is the things that are going on in the community, some of the real issues. Uh, And not just from a handful of communities, but from as many as we could possibly book um, over a series of weeks to have folks come in, whether they are uh, on sitting on the um, board of selectmen, select, uh, maybe they might be a town manager, town administrator, school committee, ideas to kind of dig into some of the issues, some of the things that are happening in the community, and then continue those conversations on and re-invite some of those guests on, maybe bring some new guests, maybe have some roundtables like we're going to have coming up after the 7 o'clock news. Of course, uh, this week's guest is Alex Bazanson. He is the chairman for the Abington Board of Selectmen. We already have the next few municipal updates already, already in the pipeline, so we'll We'll share those with you as well. Hour number two. It's another segment that has been done here on this show on a regular basis. The variety of roundtables, um, whether it's police chiefs, mayors. We've had mayors from uh, this the Plymouth County. I remember back when we had Tom Coke, Sue Kay, just preceding current Weymouth Mayor Bob Hedlund. Um... Late Mayor Bill Carpenter and uh, Joe Sullivan, just to name a few, as we have done segments like that, police chiefs. Tonight, fire chiefs, a South Shore Fire Chiefs Roundtable, and it'll feature uh, Chief Tim Clancy from Whitman, Chief Brian Nardelli, uh, Brockton Fire Chief, and uh, Chief Lincoln Tebow. He is the chief for West Bridgewater. Give us an opportunity to talk about uh, the latest when it comes to the fire service. Here we are. We're in the winter months. I know we haven't necessarily had that cold snap yet, but probably one of the big things I think that if I was someone in the fire service, the one thing I would worry about is it gets colder. Knowing that folks are trying to find affordable ways to heat their home, knowing that we've seen cost increases uh, folks will do what they need to, and sometimes it's not necessarily the safest. We'll talk. We'll talk about fire safety, common sense when it comes to heating your home. Uh, winter storms. 
we haven't been we haven't been hit a clobbered with a big snowstorm yet. Power outages. We'll talk about that. That's all coming up in just a few moments. But right now, time for us to take a final look on the nines as to what's happening out on the roadways. Being brought to you on this end by Brennan Smoke Shop with locations in Plymouth, Pembroke, Brockton, Wareham, Rainham, Taunton, Stoughton, New Bedford, Weymouth, and now Hudson, New Hampshire. And on the other line, on the other side, is Gina Tempesta. Gina, how are things looking out on the roadways? Well, pretty good, except for one very tough spot right now, Kevin. It's a 24 southbound. We have a rollover of the car off the road into the woods. It's in the West Bridgewater stretch, getting by a 106. Traffic is backing up beyond Route 27. We're looking at about an hour and a half wait right now for folks sitting in that. So lots of patience and just seek alternate routes if you possibly can. Rest of the ride is pretty much thinned out, though. 93 in the north and southbound a little slow, approaching 24. Route 3 southbound just a little slow uh, in making your way down to Derby Street from the split. Just a couple of minutes there and slow going out of the tunnel just to South Bay. Then Furnace Brook to the split and if if you are headed in northbound for the uh, evening, split to Neponset of the Mass Ave into the tunnel. This report is sponsored by Unbound.org. A girl in Kenya dreams of becoming a doctor. An elder in Guatemala dreams of being part of a community. Reach out and change their world and it will change your own. Unbound.org. Traffic of the Nines every morning. I'm Gina Tempesta in the WATD Traffic Center. My mother started Brennan's of Plymouth Center 30 years ago. Brennan's Smoke Shop has been the South Shore stock and stuffer destination ever since. Now with 10 going on 11 locations across the South Shore, South Coast, and New Hampshire, it's easier and more convenient than ever to fill your loved one's stocking. Customers must be 21 years of age or older and proper ID is required. Brennan's Smoke Shop, the best stocking stuffer destination in Massachusetts and New Hampshire for 30 years. We've been selling wood pipes, glass pipes, metal pipes, ceramic pipes, acrylic pipes, and the newest silicone pipes. Lighters, ashtrays, scratch tickets, humidors, grinders, cigar cutters, vaporizers, rolling machines, flavored hemp wraps, rolling papers, pipe tools, pipe lighters, smell-proof pouches, stash jars, can safes, digital scales, Zippo lighters, and the best cigars in the world. Brennan's Smoke Shop, wishing you a happy and safe holiday season. Monday Night Talk continues all week long. Go to 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk and keep in touch on Facebook and Twitter. And now, more Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. So what's fantastic about usually the first segment of this show is being able to have the variety of South Shore uh, legis- legislators to be able to come on and, and talk and discuss some of the things that that are going on, or you just even just to to get to find out where they stand on on certain things. And been privileged to have Dave DeCoast for was, was, how many years has it been now? Oh, we were sworn in January fifteenth, January twenty fifteen, January fourth, twenty fifteen. Wow. I believe it was. Yeah, so it's been a while. Wow. And you and I spoke uh, regarding, I think, some selectmen's issues, even while I was in Norwalk. Yeah, that is correct. I know we talked about forty B once or twice. <laughs> we have. Uh, and what's interesting, the fun part about when you're doing a radio program is is not necessarily the conversation that happens on air, but the tidbits that are shared. Before the mics are hot, and Dave actually had come up with a, an idea, something that maybe I'll look into is getting you know 
hearing from behind the scenes from the folks who do a lot of the, the legwork for the legislators, the aides, the folks who are in the trenches talking to constituents and uh, getting you know information when it comes to first certain bills and what's going on and you know hey this is what's in the calendar today you want to make sure you've got district hours happening here that could be that could be an interesting segment oh the just uh, the travails of uh, I will tell you the you want some insights on uh, interactions with the division of unemployment insurance and the registry and uh, the things that they are going through to get things done and and my aid uh, my aide's always done a terrific job and I'll have Abby who you'll meet sometime and yep. she's um, just terrific. I will tell you though, interesting tidbit. I would have, I should have shot this to you, but I have, have not. The, the if I know you talked about there not being a blizzard, a few minutes yet, but uh, just uh, early, early. Uh, how should I phrase this? Early uh, requests for fuel assistance as of, and it, technically it's not winter yet because that's the winter solstice, which is. 22nd or so, right? That's correct. It's this week. Right. Okay, so the right now, up to this point, requests for fuel assistance is uh, are over the entire amount received all winter last year. And we haven't even hit winter yet. So if your audience has a few extra dollars, I will tell you things like uh, South Shore Community Action, all of your St. Vincent de Paul societies, among others, um, uh, those are where I turn in my district when I we need short-term oil uh, help, and then and we do get calls like that. We get an lot of calls. Uh, Patty, if you're listening, the official mayor of the Glen in Norwell, and I have a couple of others, a lady and a uh, number of other people who know me who call up. Uh, and when I, a lot of times you'll hear people are too proud to ask for help. We had a, a gentleman like that, and it's a war veteran, a veteran who is living on 52 degree heat because he had 17 gallons of oil and he didn't want to ask anyone for help and um, we're able to take care of that quite quickly that's one phone call in this case to the to the rotary that I belong to but it could have been to any number of organizations but I'll tell you folks uh, um, folks have some extra money this year I think um, locally if they want to help people fuel assistance is a great way to get started and of course the food banks as well and why are you hearing so early again we haven't seen temperatures dip to the bone chilling you know the teens and below mm-hmm. are people just preparing oh. for the onslaught the early january mid-january um frigid temperatures i think money's tight and fuel is very expensive and uh and one, rate increases one, one gentlemen gentlemen if there's a gentleman from just came from St. from St. Louis to Rockland. I still need to write him a reply. And by his math, his utility rates are four hundred percent higher than he's used to be paying, and it's it's expensive. We could probably do an entire program mm-hmm. on that, on why it is that National Grid uh, uh, and EverSource and so forth are, are raising their rates. But I will tell you. I hope. I hope if nothing else, this spurs people to take a look at. You know, uh, you know, a grid system, a second a second look at, uh, you know, the power sources that maybe weren't so in favor, natural gas and, and nuclear, and uh, maybe the people in Maine will have a, you know, some of the cheapest electricity in the world is, is in Canada, and we can't bring it to down here to Massachusetts because of some decisions uh, 
made regarding power lines in Maine, which I, I'm just befuddled that they can stop legally interstate commerce, and, and that's almost a national security issue. And by the way, pennies a kilowatt. You know, they have in the Canadian Maritimes in north, northeastern Canada, um, the river, run of the river uh, power sources that uh, don't harm the environment or are significantly less intrusive, at least we can safely say that. And just plenty of hydropower that we could bring down, and we've been stymied for that. And it's just, it's just befuddling. And I hope now that maybe the people in Maine and, and the people regionally take a closer look at, uh, at some of the skepticism towards... Um, power supply that we don't uh, we we don't make well basically we've made illegal in the Commonwealth. Can anything be done legislatively? Is it well, out of the is, you're talking to? Is we, it out of the hands of the legislators, and it's just a matter of? Well, I think I think certainly our our, our state uh, delegation at the federal level and in all New England, I think they need to need to you know basically mandate. We mandated. An interstate highway system, and I sure I used to know. I had a constituent in Norwell mm. that when Route Three was being built, he used to pull up all the survey markers, think he was going to stop Route Three. Um, lives right on High Street. Matter of fact, just recently passed away. But the bottom line is that uh, we need to take a cold, hard look. And and you know, if if to have a reliable infrastructure, you have to go do things that make uh, some people uncomfortable. And if, for instance, putting natural gas plants in, or the Canadian Merit up in up in New Brunswick, I believe it is, um, they are now uh, leading. Uh, they're on the leading edge of nuclear power, and they they're constructing small modular nuclear power plants that are that are going to be in place in uh, some of the more rural areas. But this this is going to be common. Well, this is going to be common throughout Canada, and there's a country with plenty. Uh, you know, proportionally plenty of uh, natural resources, but they're doing this because of the reliability, it's clean fuel. Uh, and of course, as I mentioned, the, uh, the high road power up there is plentiful. They'd love to export it. They're a reliable ally of ours. Um, you know, I don't even, I realize they're a foreign country, but in a way, I don't even think of Canada as a foreign country. Do you? No. Uh, they're kind of in a special. I was there this yeah. summer. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they're. I think I think poutine is uh, is is overrated, <laughs> but Cirque Soleil is great. There you go. But we we need to take a closer look. So circling back to how I got off on that tangent. Okay. I think um, because of the uh, and this bit of pretty steep increase in fuel. Uh, fuel oil, well, so natural gas is coming. Um, we we're going to we're going to we're going to do a lot of that. And the aides are often the ones that lead the charge on on getting um, South Shore Community Action Council, which, by the way, does a terrific job. But um, they have really been hit hard for fuel assistance. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with the state representative Dave DeCoast, part of uh, the opening salvo. Uh, the State House report, as we have regular legislators in here, we talk about some of the things that matter and some of the things that are on their minds, some of the things that they are working on. Uh, let's talk about uh, moving forward. Uh, you uh, coming off of a rock fight for an election and moving into a, a new term. What's your vision for the next two years? I mean, have you had a chance to reflect and go, these are the things? Have you set goals? Yeah, I can give you the the top couple of goals. We're we're going to do our best to keep pushing 
So you get a remediation of the traffic situation on Route 139 in Hanover, uh, which I've even had Rockland select and said, you have to get that fixed before someone gets that hurt. Yep. But in but in Hanover, uh, we've got bond money, and they are now surveying the area to have something. And for those of you, it's right by the Congregational Church. It's a tough corner. You come either right or left mm-hmm. uh, out of Main Street, Silver Street, to... Uh, 139. Going go by it all down. the time. Yeah, and it's tough. And uh, I've almost been clipped a couple of times, and I don't think it was deliberate. <laughs> but it is a dangerous place to walk around and across. So my guess there is that you will either see a uh, uh, lights or a rotary there, and hopefully in the next two years, if we don't break down brown ground, I, I hope to be very close to it. It's, it's, a, it's a cumbersome process. Because you have to determine ownership and, and come up with plans and sure. do studies. But all of those things are being done. But is that something that goes through like an old colony planning council and they uh, do they, a traffic study and, uh, and they, they find a way to, you know, if it's if it's deemed a high priority, it's something that gets into, you know, what's going to be coming up for, for traffic or, you know, for, what's, for transportation um spending for the next fiscal year, et cetera? It can, but but in the case of that, and they, we could go that route, but in the case of the, the we have bond money set aside for that and, and earmarked, and it's earmarked is no less than a million dollars, so there's some you know room for expansion. We will see uh, how it goes, but it, it continues to be our, our top priority. Another, another example of priority is water throughout the region. Mm. Uh, I share a PFAS. water... Uh, you bet. I share a water district uh, with Abington, which mm-hmm. means Allison Sullivan and I, Rep Sullivan, yep. talk a lot. And we've got some problems throughout the district. Uh, we have... I just talked to Selectman Laurie Childs today regarding, among other things, the sewer system. And we're going to work at the federal level uh, to talk with, in that case, Congressman Lynch. In his team, there are a couple of bills for infrastructure that have been passed, and we're going to do our best to get an earmark to uh, to take a look at the Rockland sewage system. Yeah, knowing that Abington and Rockland, and it was, I, I want to say, this year, wasn't there monies that were awarded by the state to uh, assist in building a, a new treatment plant? Well, it's, it's rep- repairs and, and, in, and, and all across the infrastructure, yes, right. a number of them. A uh, number of them to address PFAS, myself, Senator Keenan, uh, uh, Senator Brady, certainly Allison in, in Abington. Um, we, we, there were some money, but I know between the kind of separate issues, but really not because it addresses the whole um, water issue there. So there are a couple of ways to tackle it. Um, one thing we might be doing that should be fairly easy, um, but it will it will amount to something incrementally, and that is to help the Commonwealth develop a little bit better uh, regulations and, and guidance for installing gray water systems. One of the complaints that we get back up from the private sector is right now the gray water systems, if you want to put one in your home, Kevin, it's um, the uh, the guidance leaves a lot to be desired. Well, yeah, it's expensive, but I will tell you that is the type of thing we should be encouraging either through, uh, you know, uh, water discount rates or and or uh, at the state level, maybe, you know, we give you credits for solar. We might, might want to do something like that because if you can recycle water and whether it be, you know, the, the, the simple systems that just take your, your water from your sinks and so forth and, and wash machines or um, the more complicated systems like, you know, the former President Bush has where he, he pulls in his, his rainwater and, and uh, recycles everything. 
um, one one or the other um, or any combination, but they're looking for some changes in guidance, and that over the long term could uh, really result in an improvement, um, um, you know, both in water consumption, bringing it down, and um, also keeping using our groundwater more efficiently and rainwater more efficiently. Looking to 2023, mm-hmm. being sworn in, uh, it's going to be a little bit different. You have a different administration. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your early thoughts? Do you are you hopeful that it's going to be um, a, a joint adventure? Knowing that there, there's not as many, you have a, a party dominance mm-hmm. uh, between. With Democrats and Republicans, do you st- without a without a Republican in as an administrator, or you know, or having that administration where you have a Republican uh, leader, do you feel as though that you'll still be able to get stuff done with lesser numbers? I, I think in this area, and let me—I I guess you speak more broadly, but in this area, I think most of the legislators are on the same sheet of music about, about many, very many things. Okay. So we are—you um, know—I just—I know I keep dropping names, but we—I just honored. By the way, I should shout out to the Hanover Division Three girls soccer team who we just had up to Han- uh, Beacon, Hill, uh, Beacon Hill today, and they got the full tour. They got everything. Uh, I've never seen. Oh, they hit every mark and every gate, and. Um, they're 2021, uh, uh, 2022 season champions, and they just uh, it was it was terrific having them up. But with that, myself and uh, um, Senator Brady and Senator Keenan got together, and we chatted a little bit about the things that you talked about. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we're still a lot of the same goals are are being. Uh, Discussed and uh, you know they're worthwhile goals. So whether it's a governor who's a Democrat or independent or Republican, I think um, they are. Uh, we can make a very compelling argument to do a lot of those things. And some of them we're just mandated to do. You know, the federal government is mandating a an improvement in the um, the the sewer system in Rockland. We're going to work on that. Um, there are obviously, as you know, because of the North River, and I know you're familiar with the North and South River Water Association. Yep, I am. There are a lot of federal mandates in terms of drawing water out of the aquifer. We're going to have to deal with that. Which, by the way, as an aside, that's where that's where something like gray water systems could really come into play, uh, and also, um, you know, locally with. Um, traffic improvements and uh, road repairs, those things will go on regardless of the administration. So I'm, I'm hopeful on those type of things. So your your district changes a little bit. Yeah. You've acquired a precinct in Hanson. Well, what, do you, what do you do differently? You do anything differently? You know, I'm glad you brought that up because that was a, uh, ah, there we are. How you doing, Mr. Sanson? Good, good to see you. The six the six forty has yeah, arrived. Yeah, you're talking with Warming you. up in the bullpen. And unlike the rep from Norwell, he's a little early to his. <laughs> <laughs> Almost was. But we are, um, um, you know, we're go- we're going forward on a lot of things. And and Hanson, did you bring up? I'm going to have to relook the office hours. So you know, it's always been. Um, at the senior centers Monday, Wednesday, uh, first and second Fridays, and we've been doing the town halls. I may end up doing a couple more nights uh, because we always do uh, the second Tuesday in, in night in Rockland. I love that public library over there. Rockland's a beautiful library, a beautiful uh, Carnegie Library, and one of, I guess, 41 in the state or 47, something like that. Love that library. But we'll probably do one more of those, and it might be in Hanson Library. I'll have to look to see what's available. 
Um, but we will get down to Hanson. Of course, that means we'll be working in two cases directly now. We'll be working across in Norwell, where we, we, we share a town with, um, you know, Representative Patrick over in, you know, Patrick Carney over in Marshfield. And then I'm going to be sharing a town, Hanson, with uh, Josh Cutler. We're all on the same sheet of music. The good news is that when we sit down and talk Norwell issues, we turn right around and talk Votech issues. We talk around the river issues. So um, it's really no, no different than what we've been doing. Anybody who is a constituent and maybe forgot your information or somebody who is going to be uh, a new constituent, uh, how can they find out more about you, State You go Rep. right on to citizensfordecoast.com. There you are. Or david.decoast at mamass.gov. Uh, Representative, I want to thank you so much for joining me and always being willing willing to, to pop in studio and talk about some of the things that are happening, uh, whether it's within your district or up at Beacon Hill. Oh, it's a pleasure, and I look forward to, uh, as soon as we hear any breaking news, I'll forward it to you. Excellent. There he Stay is. Well. Dave DeCoast, I guess. We are going to step aside, and when we come back, uh, our, new, uh, our new segment, Municipal Updates with Alex Bazanson here on Monday Night Talk. Stay tuned. is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD. Now Martha Stewart for Skechers. When I make a dish or embark on a craft project, I always use the finest, most fabulous ingredients and materials, which is why when it comes to footwear, I love Skechers. Because Skechers is the comfort technology company and uses the most luxurious, innovative materials and designs to make wondrously comfortable footwear. It's exactly the way I'd make shoes. They've meticulously designed stylish footwear with all the fits and features you want. They have fits like wide fit, relaxed fit, stretch fit, arch fit, and more. Plus, they have luxurious features including Skechers' world-famous air-cooled memory foam. It's like walking on a cool side of the pillow all day long. And best of all, they find a way to keep them affordable. You simply can't get more comfort and style for your dollar. So if you want the kind of footwear I'd create, get yourself a pair of Skechers. It's comfort with style and more. Find Skechers at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Each year, about one out of two men and one out of three women will develop cancer. But there's good news. Today's cancer survival odds are much better than two or even three years ago. Things move that fast. So if you're diagnosed, be sure to have someone in your corner who is on top of all the latest cancer treatments and techniques, the latest research, the newest equipment, all the newest medicines available through clinical trials. And speaking of corners, here's more good news. Advanced cancer care is now just around the corner. The Green Cancer Center at Signature Healthcare treats patients locally with all oncology services and specialties conveniently housed under one roof. The center is affiliated with Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, so you'll be seen by Harvard medical faculty physicians and oncologists. The Green Cancer Center at Signature Healthcare, in affiliation with Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Cancer has just met its match. Find out why at mysignaturecare.org slash cancercare. Night Talk continues all week long. Go to 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk and keep in touch on Facebook and Twitter. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. All right, we are back. 
As I teased uh, at the opening of the show, and that is, is, it's been a privilege to be able to be behind this microphone for well over 11, 12 years, talk about, have so many different conversations about so many different things, and see it as an opportunity to discuss some of the things that are happening here on the South Shore and having different voices. Yeah, we have some fun guests from time to time. Am I a fun guest? I think th- I think that the poll is still out. I'll let oh, you know geez. by the end. Of- <laughs> all right, all the listeners out there, please call in right now and yes. tell Kevin. Hey, and remember, Festivus is this week. So, if you have any grievances, uh, Alex's number is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give my I give my I, number I, out I, to everybody. I know you do, uh, but the whole idea is is to uh, kind of open the floodgates a little bit more than just talking with the legislators and just an occasional. Uh, individual from a um, select board or town council or a single representative of a community, but to have more voices and and try to spread it out where we're talking talking to individuals. This show is talking to individuals from every community in the, on the South Shore, whether it's Plymouth County, Norfolk County, Bristol County, in our listening area. And try to have it where there's a regular rotation to talk with them because the hour the media has changed, uh, the what media coverage has changed. Absolutely, um, you don't have the dailies doing what they used to no. do. It's hard to be able to. But you know what? If there's an opportunity to use the one hour forty five minutes I have. Uh, doing I, I, it, doing think, it through this program. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, Kevin. And. Um, you know, I'm always willing to come on. I like, uh, I, I listen, as everyone knows, when I uh, d- have done my debates here and everything, they ask where I get my news. It's WATD, and that's the truth. I listen to it all day when I'm in the car. And I like the idea of the town managers going on in the morning. Today we heard from uh, Mike Moresco and uh, Rennie Reed uh, about their selectmen's meeting. Uh, we need to get Scott on Scott, Scott will be on the show. Uh, Scott well, oh, I mean on the mornings announcing what the selectmen are going to talk about. So if people want to show up at the meetings, you know, um, because they're not advertising the newspapers and mm-hmm. stuff anymore. And, um, you know, uh, Facebook is a good tool for a lot of the towns for, for some things. It's a, a bad tool for a lot of things. Um, but it, it used properly. If you had to take a test to be on social media like Facebook you would probably weed out some of the problems. You know, it's uh, funny you say that. I know we're getting off subject, but uh, last night I I said something to Lisa. Somebody posted, and I don't even know what it was all about, but it was just a nice post, and someone had something negative to say, (laughs) which they wouldn't say face-to-face to to a person. Yeah, because you know what? If it was was 25, 30 years ago... And, you know, you said that to somebody, it would be either a an argument. Or a punch in the nose. Or a punch in the nose. Yeah. Let's let's call it the way it is. Yeah. is that, you know, it, it's easy to be able to say something, yep. to type something and then close your laptop or, or you know, mo- open another app on your phone and think that it's all forgotten. But, you know, it, it is what it is. But, again, the idea is to be able to kind of do this on a regular basis. And while this is the first time that... We're doing we're doing this segment. And you get to be well, part I, of the part I, of the. I appreciate uh, being your first. <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> we've been doing it. We just haven't had to put a title to it. But the okay. idea is going to be a more concerted effort in 2023 to have the different voices and the different communities and the issues that I that that I see and I hear that, that go on that 
that don't necessarily get the coverage because it, it's things have changed when it comes to uh, covering news and, and mm-hmm. what to do. So if there's an opportunity to do that here and and get folks to be involved, then, then so be it. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about your community. You being the chairperson for uh, yeah. the Abington, um, uh, Abington Board of Selectmen, um, what has 2022 been like for uh, your community and for your governing board? Well, we are very lucky in Abington to have a great board of selectmen right now. Uh, we are all friends as well as we became friends as being on the board of selectmen. But, um, you know, we get along great. We get a lot accomplished. We have a great town manager who listens to us who includes us in decisions that he doesn't have to uh, because our town manager can make a lot of these decisions and personnel decisions himself. Because of the town charter. Right. Which, uh, full disclosure, I was against that. I think it pulled too many um, other responsibilities away from the Board of Selectmen. But when you have a town manager like Scott, it doesn't matter because he's very knowledgeable and he includes us in everything. So he's made some... um, some ch- big changes uh, since he's been in there um, in the police department. And uh, everyone knows we have a great new police chief. Um, things chief are going, Papa. Yep. Yeah, and things are going great there. A um, uh, longtime officer, um, Sully, was just um, uh, sworn in as deputy chief last week. Wow. And, um, you know, we had um, Sean McCollum retired after many, many years, did a great job in the town. So, you know, our police department is um, starting to become what we hope it would become. Uh, we just swore in four new police officers, and they were at our meeting about a month or so ago. We're still short-staffed. But the bit, there was a big problem with you were seeing police officers going to neighboring communities. Right. And we've actually had at least one officer come back to Abington. Uh, in the last uh, year. So that's a good sign. Um, so our police department was one of our big issues when I got back on the board in 2020, 2020 it was. And uh, so that seems to be going the way we want it. You know, we want to fill these spots but uh, as quickly as possible, but that's not always easy to do. Um, we are working on a new contract. We're very close to signing a new contract with the police. Um, which will include some uh, educational benefits and other things that they were looking for. So I think overall our police department is at least going in the direction where we want it to. Mm -hmm. Um, Our fire department, uh, for several years it's been a great department, uh, great people working there, both men and women, and um, the chief has done a great job. So we're happy with the fire department. We've got the DPW. Uh, John Stone running that, and that's a great department. And uh, Scott has made some major changes in the building department, and we brought in uh, this fellow, Chris Carmichael, Mm -hmm. who uh, seems to be doing a very good job there. So part of the things were when I got back on the board in 2020 and discussing it with the other selectmen, those were some of the big issues we had in town. And um, it appears that... uh, you know, this board has, with Scott, has got them going in the right direction. You mentioned public safety. You talked about the, the police. You, you touched upon 
the fire department and even the DPW, one of the, the probably one of the major capital projects, which is kind of following the heels. You, you not too long ago built five years ago built a new middle high school. Now it's t- there's conversation about yeah. possibly building a new fire station, maybe even having a um, a public safety campus. Is where does where does that stand? Because they were well, they were designed. I'll to, hold this up for your listeners to look at. This is it's, the, a, it's <laughs> a perfect medium for you to do that. It definitely is. Um, it's so it's, I do have the plans. These are the plans. I'll do a little play by play. Very colorful of what he's showing us right now. <laughs> Uh, so it will encompass the, as the plan stands now, it will encompass the police, de- uh, well, the police department is next door. This would be going where the highway department is on Central Street. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to take down the existing building for the highway department, not the repair shop that was built maybe 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the salt barn needs to come down. And then the fire station would be out front with the new highway bond out back. Uh, the highway bond is really in major disrepair right now. Um, so I'm not on the, the fire station committee, but um, I have been talking to John Stone and I had a conversation with Kevin Donovan today who's uh, kind of like the liaison for Scott. And Kevin has got a wealth of knowledge, as you know, from um, the town manager in Rockland and Kingston and he was in Abington temporarily, I believe. So he's very, very knowledgeable. So uh, Scott, uh, again, reached out to me and some of the other selectmen. So what do you think about me putting Kevin on there? Kind of as Scott's eyes, and uh, we thought it was a great idea. Again, Scott could have just done that on his own, you know, but he does reach out to us. So anyway, uh, to answer your question, this will be a complex that will house the fire department, and behind it will be the uh, new highway on. Uh, there's talk about separating the two, um, and I'm not sure exactly uh, the benefits of that or anything, but... Uh, there's, it's, it's in it's, discussion. It's in discussion. Uh, I don't believe, after talking with uh, Scott and Kevin Donovan today, I don't believe it will be on the April town meeting. Uh, as a matter of fact, Scott said it won't be. It, yep. won't, it, it just won't be ready for that. But hopefully in the fall, we'll get it on the town meeting. And uh, see what the voters want to do. Right, they have it. They have a fire building uh, st- uh, study, study committee, committee that is that is looking at this, and they've been doing their due diligence and, to uh, see what would be best. Yeah, and and we've looked at uh, several locations. Uh, we looked at North School, and that wasn't a good site. Uh, there was some land as you're going into Town Hall, right at the Rotary there, where the flagpole is off to the left. Up. On Glenowitz Way, we were going to buy that land and thought about doing that, but that really doesn't work out with the high school and middle school there. Yeah, it's and chaos around two o'clock yeah, every day. Yeah, and um, so we just didn't think that was a good location. The highway department on Central Street seems to be a good location. The fire chief thinks it's a good location, so that's what uh, we're in the study phase now, and. Um, <laughs> And uh, we're in the study phase now, and we'll see where it goes. Let's talk about something that I thought was was very unique, and, and that is is the town purchasing land. Instead of just purchasing and deciding, hey, we might clear this land and put a building on it. Instead, knowing that there are folks who are very conscientious in regards to preserving 
some of the great, um, uh, you know, uh, parcels of land that might have maybe, you know, the box turtles are living on it or having conservation land, putting it in conservation, uh, the keeps of conservation. Yeah, so uh, as you know, I was on the Conservation Commission for 23 years. I was chairman for 15 years. And people think that, oh, well, you approve this, you approve that. The Conservation Commission basically has to approve a project if it meets the wetland rules and regulations, you know, the wetland bylaws and the uh, mass general bylaws for wetland protection. If it meets that, you you really have to approve it because if you don't, then DEP will. Mm -hmm. DEP reviews everything that the local conservations do. So if they made a mistake, DEP is going to pick it up, pick up on it. So anyway, um, being on the conservation for so long, um, it, it is something near and dear to my heart. So Abington at the last town meeting put 80 acres of land into conservation. And we also purchased, um, I don't know if it's nine or 11 acres, that sits basically at the end of Orchard Lane, which is in the middle of land that we already own. So by purchasing that, that takes us from the town hall complex all the way out to Rockland Street. And my idea in doing that, and the uh, resident that sold it to us reached out to me and said he had an offer on it, would the town match it? So I called Scott, I asked for executive session to enter into negotiations, and we did end up buying it. So that gives us area where I would like to do a town forest, starting at the town hall and with trails and walkways and benches and everything all the way out to Rockland Street. How important is that to have something like that that's set aside that, you know... It's, it's huge. It's huge. And, you know, everyone complains about, you know, building in town, and I understand it. But we can't build on everything. There, there are definitely some lots in town that we need to build on. You know, we need to build a commercial base on Route 18. But this land here... There were going to be two houses built here. And if the town didn't buy it, that resident was selling it to a developer to build two houses. And it sits right in the middle of land that we own. So now this is the connector piece. It was the the perfect pickup for the town. And it passed unanimously at town meeting. Let's talk about another another item that I think has been big for some communities. And it's interesting to see how they are taking these federal dollars because of COVID. We're talking about the American Rescue Plan Act, the ARPA funds. What has, what has Abington been doing with the funding that you've been receiving from the federal government? So we got about $1.6 million directly to the town. Mm-hmm. The rest of that money is coming from uh, through Plymouth County, kind of like the CARES Act. But the $1.6 we are able to do whatever we wanted with. And uh, myself, John Stone, DPW, Sean Riley, the moderator, uh, Scott, um, someone from the planning board, I think, was on. We formed this APA committee, and we come up with ideas on what we would like to see this money spent. And we wanted to spend it on things that the people actually could see and enjoy, not just fixing a road. We did 
the uh, varsity baseball field over 100% made it a beautiful oh it's amazing yeah we did uh, poured concrete pads for the uh, girls softball and put new bleachers there where we did Green Street we did those basketball courts over seal coated them and lined them and then we cut the fence back and paved parking in there and people are actually using it. And then we paved Green Street, which paved that. We put a nice black fence up around there. We are doing, um, we did sprinkler system for the Little League field on Plymouth Street because that is the field where visiting teams come and everything and the grass was dying and, you know, we did sprinklers there. So we've done a lot of things that the people can actually use and, and see uh, with the APA fund so far. Finally, we want to met, let folks know that you are, in fact, going to be running for re-election, correct? I am. For <laughs> Board of Selectmen? I am. I You're will up be, in April. Um, my term is up in April, and I will be pulling papers uh, right after the first of the year. I am running for one more term. Well, we want to thank you, and we'll, we'll try to bring you back uh, in probably a few weeks to get an update. Sounds good. Thank you, Kevin. Here is Alex Bazanson, our guest. We are going to step aside. W-A-T-T-F-M Marshfield. W-B-M-S Brockton. January 6th House Committee on former President Trump. More than sufficient evidence exists for a criminal referral. Lifting of Title 42 asylum restrictions on hold. The Supreme Court has issued only a temporary stay. A late-week Midwest blizzard. Nothing short of historic. This is the CBS World News Roundup Late Edition. I'm Jennifer Kuyper in Chicago. The January 6th panel recommends that the Justice Department prosecute former President Trump. The latest from our Stephen Portnoy. The panel voted unanimously to recommend four charges against the former president. Obstructing an official proceeding, conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to make false statements, and assisting insurrection. It is a grave federal offense. Maryland Democrat Jamie Raskin noted conviction on an insurrection count would render Donald Trump ineligible to serve in any federal office. Four Republican House members, including Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, have also been referred to the House Ethics Committee for failing to cooperate with the panel's investigation. Stephen Portnoy, CBS News, Washington. CBS's Major Garrett says the committee's recommendations are unprecedented. It is so much larger than the crimes implicated in Watergate. And this committee, through its investigative work and the referrals, is now handing that entire effort over to the Justice Department. It will be the weightiest decision this Justice Department will ever have to make. Former President Trump says the charges are fake and that they're trying to keep him from running for president. Just in, a verdict in the Los Angeles trial of former movie mogul Harvey Weinstein. CBS's Matt Piper. A jury finds Harvey Weinstein guilty on one count of rape involving a woman known as Jane Doe Number 1. But the jury was hung on several other counts where a mistrial has now been declared, including an accusation from the wife of California's governor. The 70-year-old had pleaded not guilty to all seven charges against him. He's already serving a 23-year sentence for sexual assault conviction in New York. The Supreme Court issues a temporary stay on lifting pandemic-era restrictions on asylum seekers known as Title 42. It comes after a challenge by a group of Republican-led states, CBS News legal analyst Thane Rosenbaum. The Supreme Court might end up hearing arguments on whether Title 42 was improperly struck down by a lower court, ruling that its intended purpose, public health during the pandemic, 
was negligible, especially now. An appellate court agreed. Title 42 would have ended on Wednesday had the Supreme Court not intervened. But that doesn't mean that the Supreme Court won't ultimately agree with the lower court. The Uvalde, Texas School District this hour holds a board meeting to discuss safety on campus. On Wall Street, it loses more ground. The Dow closed down 163 points. NASDAQ fell 159. Now this. This hour's newscast is presented by Rocket Mortgage. Need to know what it takes for a home loan to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. Good evening. We're on the quieter side of things into the middle of the week for your outdoor plans. Overnight into Tuesday morning, cold and brisk, a low of 26. With a good deal of sunshine and less wind, a little nicer to get out. The high 39 and Tuesday night, seasonably cold. The low temperature in the low 20s over much of the South Shore, 28 near Boston. Wednesday, really the pick of the week with high pressure nearby. Sunshine as clouds increase, high of 39, hardly a breeze. And again, that stronger storm approaching. This is going to bring a major winter blizzard to much of the Plain States and to the upper Midwest. While here along the South Shore and to Boston, it'll be rain getting heavy at times Friday. The winds gusting over 55 miles an hour, high temperature of 58. And with the new moon tides, expect at least minor coastal flooding toward noontime. The storm goes by, and for Christmas Eve day, colder. Christmas Day looks quite cold with dry air and a dry road for your ride into the early part of next week. And again, uh, no real travel issues once we get by Friday. For WATD, I'm meteorologist Rob Gilman. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi, on 95.9 WATD. My mother started Brennan's of Plymouth Center 30 years ago. Brennan's Smoke Shop has been the South Shore stocking stuffer destination ever since. Now with 10 going on 11 locations across the South Shore, South Coast, and New Hampshire, it's easier and more convenient than ever to fill your loved one's stocking. Customers must be 21 years of age or older and proper ID is required. Brennan's Smoke Shop, the best stock and stuffer destination in Massachusetts and New Hampshire for 30 years. We've been selling wood pipes, glass pipes, metal pipes, ceramic pipes, acrylic pipes, and the newest silicone pipes. Lighters, ashtrays, scratch tickets, humidors, grinders, cigar cutters, vaporizers, rolling machines, flavored hemp wraps, rolling papers, pipe tools, pipe lighters, smell-proof pouches, stash jars, can safes, digital scales, Zippo lighters, and the best cigars in the world. Brennan's Smoke Shop, wishing you a happy and safe holiday season. From The Vault, sponsored by Boot Barn. Grateful Dead co-founder Bob Weir says playing with the late Jerry Garcia was an out-of-body experience. I can't sing in his way, and I'm not even going to try. But yeah, those songs need to live, and they need to live and breathe and grow. A song is a living critter. The characters in those songs are real. Boot Barn celebrates the values of honesty, hard work, ingenuity, and perseverance, proudly offering a piece of the American spirit. Boot Barn. Keep West. This financial update with CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger is sponsored by Dell Small Business. You should keep one thing in mind as it relates to your tax returns. Here's Jill. Only people who itemize get a benefit on their tax returns for giving. 
Dell Technologies Days of Deals start now with savings on select business PCs powered by 12th Gen Intel Core processors. Call a Dell Technologies advisor at 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. Be a part of the show. Call and join in on the conversation. 781-837-4900. Now, back to Monday Night Talk. We return for second hour of Monday Night's Talk. And this is going to be an hour-long conversation. Uh, we do have a little bit of a, a lineup change. I almost feel like I'm uh, Alex Corey here, <laughs> where uh, we, we have to uh, a scratch for a Westbridge Water Chief. Lincoln Tebow, as uh, I've been told by a Chief uh, Tim Clancy and uh, Chief Brian Nardelli, that he's actually out on uh, a call out on Route 24. Is that correct? Yep. Correct. He called me on the way over, and he said he was going to be tied up, and we were able to get Steve to come as well, and we appreciate it. So it was the Steve they're talking about. He's, he's, actually, he's been here before. It's the Plimpton police, uh, police <laughs> fire chief. I called him <laughs> police chief. Plimpton fire chief. Steve Silva, who actually was here... Three four months ago with, with Kathy Lenatra. with Kathy Lenatra. so he is no stranger <laughs> to being on this radio show. The idea of, of tonight's conversation, uh, it was actually one that I had with uh, Chief Clancy, who had said, "Hey, you know, what do you think about doing something? Knowing that we got uh, colder months ahead, knowing that sometimes." People do things to try to keep warm, to save a buck, and sometimes it could cost them their homes, it could cost lives, and if anything, just to try to talk about the fire, um, what happens with the fire service, what you guys do, and also maybe kind of warn folks that we know things are tough, but you, you got to use, use a little sense when it comes to uh, keeping warm. And in don't you know? As we had earlier, we had Dave DeGhost on. Don't be afraid to ask if if you need something. There are many uh, nonprofits out there that are willing to help. Before we get started, um, I would other than Steve, who is kind of a, a repeat offender. Uh, <laughs> let's introduce uh, for the first time. I Tim, have you been here before? No, I've never actually come down. This is the first time. Now he has done cable programs mm -hmm. before, but this is his first time. Uh, for folks who don't talk to us about your years in the fire service and uh, what goes on at the Whitman Fire Department. Well, thank you for having us in, Kevin. Appreciate it. Um, I've been a member of Whitman Fire since 1991 when I started as a call firefighter. In 97, I was hired as one of the first firefighter paramedics. And through the time, time at the department, I've risen up through the ranks, and I'm currently the chief of Whitman Fire and also the emergency management director, which we'll pull into this this evening, talking about some of the storms and stuff. And really what we're trying to do is get the message out about the challenges that we're going to face this winter, possibly. Um, we're in luck because Chief Nardelli is very involved in the utilities <laughs> on the fire chiefs of Massachusetts level. That will be a good thing. Um, we've had great conversations about it with our concerns and some ideas for the future and trying to get assistance to people who need assistance. And Chief Dottelli, if you have a yes. chance to kind of give a little bit of a background on yourself. Well, again, Kevin, just like uh, Chief Clancy said, thank you for having us. Um, I joined the Brockton Fire Department in 1996, uh, rose through the ranks. I was promoted to Chief of Department about a year and a half ago now. Um, you know, Brockton's a very unique, diverse, large, old mill city. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I can truly say I, I, I couldn't be happier than when I'm with the members of our department doing what we do best. Um, and, and it's true, uh, Chief Clancy alluded to the fact that I, I, I took over as the chairman of the FCAM Fire Chief Association Massachusetts um, Utility Committee uh, chairman. And it, I actually, <laughs> I was actually voted onto the committee by the, as the Plymouth County Chief's person. And when I got on it, everyone else stepped back when they were looking for a chairman, and I ended up as the chairman. So it was kind of interesting how that happened. I was a brand new chief, and I was like, okay, what do I do with this now? So, But we, 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 we've met with National Grid. There's a lot of good stuff going on. I think we're, we're deeply concerned about the, what, what the topic is going to be tonight in regards to um, the different situations with you know, people heating their homes and, and what they're going to do. It's, you know, to pay $1,000 to fill your oil tank this time of year is the holidays coming and everything is not something people want to do. And we, we get concerned how people will do that in other ways, whether they be um, elderly, impoverished, whatever the case may be. So it's good to be able to talk about this stuff. And Chief Silver, as I said before, but reintroduce yourself. Talk sure. about your, your time in the fire service and being chief. So, I'm the old man of the bunch. Okay, got my EMT in 1977. I'm not sure these guys were even born at that point. But look, I was five. There you go. <laughs> yeah, the funny four. part of it is, as we sit here, right, we have the, the demographics, I think, of the area pretty well represented. We've, we have the urban slant from Chief Nardelli, the yeah. suburban from Chief Clancy and me. We're, we're rural. And it's, it's funny how this is a very uh, uh, a small group in a lot of ways. People in public safety, we all know each other. <laughs> Tim Clancy and I worked together in Waltham quite a long time ago as paramedics. Uh, Chief Nardelli and myself have crossed paths numerous times from Boston Med Flight to Brockton EMS. And, and we've seen collectively the changes in the fire service. From, from when I started to where it is today, it's an entirely different uh, organization. And although the mission remains the same, and that is to help people across the board, um, the complexity of the mission has changed greatly. And, I, you know, we'll be talking, I think, a little bit about that tonight. Um, this was, for a long, long time, considered one of those blue-collar jobs, put the wet stuff on the hot stuff, so to speak, and it's so much different than that now. Um, it, it takes a, an educated workforce to do this job correctly, and I'm, I'm proud to be here with these two gentlemen. Mm -hmm. But I've learned from my time working with various fire departments is, is that... The fire department does more than just rescue the cat out of a tree or put out fires. There are times that you're called on, called upon by folks in your communities to, to help in various various ways, and, and that's and that's kind of important. It's almost as they they see you as as the fire service as uh, extended members of their family. Am I wrong? No, you you 100 right. And I think Kevin, the funny thing about that is. I talk about this whether I'm in front of the city council, whether I'm sitting in the mayor's office, whether I'm out in one of the firehouses talking to the men and women of the Brockton Fire Department. The fire service evolves for whatever they need. Yep. Um, the greatest thing, and I think um, my, the man to my right and man to my left here can share with you is that when people call, we arrive. And a lot of times it's, sometimes we're a clearinghouse to get the definitive services there. Mm. But they know to call us, they know we're gonna make things better. And I, I think so many of us are drawn to the fire service for that reason. There's not just fires, there's not just EMS, there's not just technical rescue, there's not just whatever the case may be. When people call, we show up, the first call I ever went on as a, as a firefighter, we went to someone's house for a problem with their thermostat, and it's funny we're talking about this stuff tonight, but that's, that's the interesting thing. People call us wherever we show up, and we try to serve the public as best we can. Yeah, <clears throat> what we find a lot of is they'll call us for anything. 
and mm-hmm. it runs the gauntlet. And the thing is, to have that level of trust from the community, mm-hmm. we say this on EMS calls, but people, people will hand us their child to take care of. They welcome us into their house without any questions. And that level of trust is to be honored, and we need to move that forward in which we might not have every answer, but as Chief Nardelli said, we will help, and we will find the means to get the problem solved. You know, a, a great example of that is when, uh, oh, God, it's got to be 20 years ago. I'm, I'm driving through Brockton with my son, who's also a firefighter. Now, matter of fact, he trained under Chief Nardelli. He <laughs> ran him through drill school. Fantastic. And he was young at the time. I was driving through the city, and I think my name was Squad A or somebody was on the side of the road, and the lights were going and so forth. And he looked at me and goes, so let me get this right. If you've got a problem, it doesn't matter what the problem is. You dial 911, and the fire department shows up and fixes the problem one way or another. I go, yeah, that's pretty much it. And he was like in high school. He goes, yeah, I think that's what I want to do. That makes sense. He goes, that's, that's just a bizarre concept. And it is. I mean, if you can't figure it out, they call us. We've had everything from a cat stuck in a wall that crawled in through some construction site to, you know, the, the bad calls. It's, it's the gauntlet. It's everything you can think of in between. I was, I was reading a, a brief history the other day, and it's, it's actually posted on the city's website, the brief history of the Brockton Fire Department. And it talks about 1846 when they first got their first few members and on and on and on. And you watch through the years how things change. Now, this, this history that's written on there was only written till 1999, but I think of all the things we've done since 1999. And the fire service evolves to what the community needs, and I think that's the most important thing. Um, we're in the process right now of, of hiring members and putting getting back to 10 pieces of apparatus operational in the city at all times. And that was, and not to get off topic, but Engine Company 1 went out during the layoffs when they laid off in 1991. What we're bringing back is a heavy rescue. The reason is, we still do firework, but we do so many more, and this mm-hmm. can this can handle so many more things. This can evolve to what we are doing today, and bring take on the task that the public needs us to to take on. I just was thinking. I had a conversation with a retired member. He's been retired 16 years. I believe he did roughly 36 years on the fire department before retiring. And we had a conversation today about how much our community has changed. We're from, as you said, just putting fires out to going to basic level EMS, then going to advanced life support EMS, running multiple ambulances. But to build upon what Chief Nardelli said is, we will come, we will work through the problem, and we will help you. And whatever means that takes is what we'll make happen. The gauntlet nowadays and I say this to a lot of the people I talk to, they call 911, and for us to show up, remember, it might just be another call for us. You're working, and mm-hmm. the calls go along. This in, is this potentially is the worst day of these people's lives. Oh, absolutely. Or one of the worst days of their lives. And I try to reiterate the fact that treat them how you would want to be treated. And I think all of the departments represented in this room do a nice job at that. You know, reaching out to our citizens and being able to help them in their time of need and understanding what we can't put ourselves in their shoes, but we can have empathy for it and try and provide the best services we can. Here we are. We're, I guess, we're supposed to be coming out of COVID or a pandemic. But if you look at some of the wastewater results, eh, maybe uh, not. Yeah. <laughs> right? Not um, really. How do you how? Are the, how is the fire service in your respective communities still trying to deal? You're trying to say, okay, we're, this is an endemic now. Let's move forward. 
but yet you still have to take all the necessary precautions to be, make sure you have manpower for each of the shifts that you provide. I think Chief. that's I think that's dicey, I and I think I think when you when you look at what happened during the pandemic, mm. um, again the fire service stepped up. People needed our help. We stepped up. You know, we went from you know wearing our turnout gear every day to now. I mean, our, our members look like surgeons walking into people's homes. Right. I mean, this is not what people thought they would be doing. If you, and again, I go back to, if you told me in 1996 when I was in drill school that I would be training with a Kevlar helmet and Kevlar vest mm -hmm. for an active shooter environment at a school or Westgate Mall or whatever, this is not what we think the fire service is, but it is because that's what the public needs. So to go to your COVID point, I think we're still walking that fine line. We had a number of members that were very sick. When I took over, we, we, were, we were down a number of members and, and, and COVID hit us hard. Like, like Chief Silver and, and like Chief Clancy, the same in every community. It was all proportional. But I think we've got a better handle on how we're doing things. We, you know, we're still wiping everything down. We're still you know, doing the best we can. And, and, and we don't, you know, our interests are shorter time than Chief Clancy and Joe Silva. We have a private ambulance contractor in the city of Brockton. So we're not in the back of the ambulance, but we are in their homes. We are in their environment. We are sometimes in the back of the ambulance if the EMS crew needs help. So I think to look at that bigger picture, I think, you know, Brockton was hit very hard mm -hmm. in the state with COVID. Mm. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, uh, like every other fire service, the Brockton Fire Department stepped up and, and did what had to be done to get us through those trying times. I think, oh, Mr. Good. Good. Chief Clancy, go ahead, and then, um, then Chief Silva, so you can... And just to build upon that, you know, same thing here. When we first started looking into having vaccination clinics, that was something we never would have dreamed of. Hmm. We came up with plans uh, for some home test distributions. The Whitman was uh, able to acquire some. We were able to do a couple very successful handouts. Um, we've just did our last COVID booster clinic Thursday of this past week. Um, even though interest is dwindling, we're still monitoring it. We do a weekly COVID report to see what we have. We're monitoring the wastewater. Uh, so we're still pretty active in it. Hopefully we see it to con continued steady decline. But uh, I cannot thank the members, all of us can to our departments, but I cannot thank the members of Whitman Fire enough for how they rose to the occasion. During those, uns they were uncertain and at times scary times, and they rose to the occasion to take care of the citizens of Whitman. I think one of the interesting thing about COVID was it, it shows the flexibility and the dedication of the fire service. Like Chief Nardell was saying, you know, can you imagine when we first started what we, what we wound up with with COVID or with the active shooter programs and such? The thing was, with, with us and all the other towns, um, talk about new territory, right? We didn't know what we were up against. Um, it was everything from, you know, we're in the middle of the walking dead to zombies to godly knows and the rumors were running rampant. We've seen this before, yeah. right after 9-11, it was a very interesting time to be in the fire service, and yet we rose to the occasion, and we met the challenges. We did the same thing with COVID. Um, when a lot of other departments, I don't mean fire departments, but town departments uh, weren't there because they couldn't be there, the, you know, the, the essential service, whatever that is supposed to be, the fact of the matter is the fire department and the police department, we stepped up and we... we got the job done and we were inventing it as we went along and that was the that's the fun part all of us were talking Absolutely. to each other going what are you doing tim what are you doing brian i'm yeah. drowning over here what do you guys got going on and we kept talking back and forth and it worked we made plans on the fly mm -hmm. and it could have been so much worse 
in a lot of ways. It was horrible what happened, but it could have been so much worse. The thing that amazed me is I, I gave accolades to the fire department, but we all came together. Mm -hmm. It was almost much like after 9-11. It yep. was a good analogy, mm -hmm. Steve, that we all came together. The, t the town administrators, the selectmen, the townspeople, the fire department, emergency management, and the Board of Health formed a partnership really for the greater good of the community. We Whatever played community. outside our lanes, which, which showed we could do it. Really, and we, we had to adapt. There was many nights, um, phones were ringing in the middle of the night, like, I just had somebody test positive. What do we need to do? Mm -hmm. Or I had this happen or that happen. And it was very trying times. It weighed on a lot of people, but I will say, I can, I'll speak for all of us, that our communities as a whole, from government down to public safety, rose to the occasion and addressed the needs of the citizens. I think that's one of the hardest parts is, is when, when, when Chief Clancy speaks of, you know, the dedication and, and we are, we come to work, we do our job. And I think when firefighters are sick and can't come and do their job, it weighs on them, not because of the illness that they now have back to potentially but a family. They're but to help they, others. But they're mm -hmm. compelled to help others. They, mm -hmm. they join the fire service to do this. So now that's a stress on top of itself. So. Again, if you're just tuning in, uh, having a great conversation here with, this is the South Shore Fire Chiefs Roundtable, something that uh, we'll look to do more in 2023. Maybe Excellent. we do it uh, quarterly, kind of do an update, uh, you know, circulate different chiefs in, maybe we'll keep a common team, maybe we expand the room, maybe, you know, we have a few more chiefs in, hey, we got a couple more mics and a couple more chairs, and <laughs> we can have a good conversation. Uh, and so you've heard from uh, Whitman Fire Chief Tim Clancy, uh, Brockton Fire Chief Brian Nardelli, and Steve Silva, who is the Plimpton Fire Chief, mm -hmm. uh, talking about all, all these things that they endure and what, what the fire service is about. We touched upon it, upon it briefly, and I want to go back to it. Let's, let's talk about here we are. They're talking about we might see a storm later this week. Mm -hmm. We may start, you know, January usually spells where we're going to see a dip in temperatures. What, what are the things that you're concerned about? And what are the, what's the message you want to get, you want to share with residents in regards to maybe it's not too late. I mean, we've seen warmer weather, 40s, 50s. Can they still prepare and be ready and, and, not, and be safe when it comes to fire safety? Chief Clancy? I mean, one of the things that, when this first conversation came up, when, I don't even know how it came about, I called you, I believe. You did? Said, we need to address I responded this. immediately, I you remember. Um, the thought was, we just need to get the information out there about what is safe and what is not safe. Yes. With the economic times we're in, the price increases, where are we at and what are we going to see? When it's been cold in the past, we have seen issues previously with alternative means of heating. Mm -hmm. The biggest message is we want to make sure people understand how to do it safely. You have a heating system in your house. One of the biggest things, leading cause of fire has been space heaters. Mm -hmm. If someone is choosing to use a space heater, it needs to be certified by underwriter laboratories, UL, and they have to follow the directions with it. And it's used to be, it's supposed to be a substitute to heat, not the heat. We see incidents of people using stoves and just a various means of heating. I mean, we've had a case where we found a person that was taking the wood off the inside of the house and burning it in the fireplace to try and keep warm. Goodness. And we do not want that to happen. There are, there are means for assistance out there through the government to see what we can do to help you. And through your, the elderly population can reach out through the senior centers, Council on Aging's, mm -hmm. see see where they can get from that. And the really th the the message is just to be safe. 
and use approved appliances. Yeah. And one of the one of the things we were talking about earlier today is if you choose to start using your fireplace or your wood stove or something, we would strongly recommend that you have it inspected by somebody because when was it put in? And more importantly, who put it in? And was it inspected? Was it to code? When was it last used? Right. Yeah. We have chimneys that are... Creosote. Creosote and animals, believe it or not, from mm -hmm. where I am. You know, when we think about it, right, the, um, our population is a little different than, than you guys. Uh, we're, we have uh, more of the old rural Yankee farm sort of thing. And mm -hmm. energy prices up until this year haven't been that bad. So a lot of people haven't really dug out the wood stove, the old fireplaces. Many of our homes are a couple hundred years old, and so aren't their chimneys. So chimney problems are always a big problem. Yeah. But I got to tell you, like I said earlier, kind of joking around on the old man and the crew here, but the fact of the matter is I can remember vividly the mid to the late 70s when we were up against similar things with the energy crisis back then, the embargoes and so forth. Sure. And the world was burning down around us. And a lot of it was space heaters, uh, faulty heating systems, uh, use of extension cords, it, so many things that were preventable that for the past 30, 40 years, we really haven't seen where this might become a problem again because of what we're up against. If we have an exceptionally cold winter as we move forward into it, there's going to be a lot of concerns. And, and I'm, you know, in my community with the, with the older homes, and I know in, in Chief Nardelli's community with the multifamilies and, and the same with Chief Clancy, it, uh, people have not, you know, I don't think the generation that we're talking about now has been up against this before. Mm. So what they think might be good may not be. Yeah, and I want to touch upon you. You mentioned Chief Nardelli. I mean, you also have a, a very diverse Absolutely. community, yes. which means that it's not primarily English-speaking, but you people Correct. have different languages from different cultures and different ways of doing things in the old country, yep. which may not necessarily work Absolutely. here. Absolutely. No, and, and, and that goes to, you know, I look, you know, however many, you know, 100 years ago when my ancestors came here, same thing. It was, a, it was the same wave and the same... You know, coming from a country that maybe they, you know, they were they were farmers. They they heated their houses similar to how mm -hmm. Chief Silver speaks of. And about I would say just before Thanksgiving, we met with our Mayor Bob Sullivan um, in his office, myself and uh, my Deputy Chief in charge of Fire Prevention, and we talked about this in depth. It was hard. It was like a set one of those weird seventy degree days in late November. So it was really hard to have, wrap our heads around it. But our concern was, and as well as the mayor's, that how are we going to do this? So we we had kind of adopted the state fire the department of fire services state fire marshal came out with a keep warm keep safe campaign um, we put out a press release um, john messiah that works in the mayor's office put a lot of stuff out uh, psas on broad community access they put it on onto the radio they put a lot of stuff out there the um part of our agreement with the big boards on route 24 is that we can get so much public access off of that mm -hmm. so that keep warm safe keep safe campaigns up there we have signage all over the city I think, to Chief Clancy's point, too, so many people go, they'll go out to Walmart, they'll go wherever, and they're going to get a space heater. And people people have this misconception that space heaters are safe now because if they tip over, there's It'll a button off. that turns it yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Well, that doesn't help when that space heater is upright in the correct position, but there's bedding against it. Yeah, or it lands or on or it, it and it catches. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And and this is this is a serious concern. We 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 I was I was talking to um, constituent services uh, director John Messier in the mayor's office the other day and he actually said he had someone call and they said they had their oven open and that's how they were heating their house. That is extremely dangerous mm. to, 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 to the other gentleman's points here. So I, I think 
you know, I, I do con- concern myself. I, I do worry about that. I worry about, hey, you know, gasoline prices are cheaper than diesel right now or cheaper than oil. How, can I get that into my furnace? Because maybe people don't know. Maybe it's a n- not even elderly or maybe from, a, from a, you know, newly to the country. Maybe it's a young person with their first home purchase. I don't know. What's the difference? What's the difference between putting gasoline in there? What's the There's a big difference. Yeah. It needs to be used properly. You need to put stuff into your heating units that are operating, um, pellet stoves, all kinds of things like that. You hook up a brand new pellet stove. Um, like like Chief Silva was saying earlier, when was that chimney last checked? Service is, it, is, it, is it actually, is the liner intact? Or are you going to have a fire in your walls when you turn that on? Because it heats radiantly and convectively through that chimney. So there are a lot of concerns with that. I think, you know, people don't, you know, gas... You know, natural gas prices, oil prices—they're through the roof right mm. now. Um, so I think when you when you begin to think of how people are, are, are going to do it, you have to. I think my 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 best advice is when you're going to start. If you want to talk about an alternative heat source, stop and think for a minute and say, "Is this safe?" To Chief Clancy's point, the UL to Chief Silva's point about making sure we're checking our chimneys and stuff. So if you're looking at alternative heat sources, you really have to think: Is this safe? We're going to take a quick break. Uh, fear not, though. Well, fire chiefs are staying here. We have more conversations to, to have, talking about storms and outages, talking about budgets and, and how important it is to uh, to make sure that there's proper staff and equipment when it comes to your local fire department. You are tuned in to Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 WATD. Don't go anywhere. is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD. Christmas Eve, 1999. Clement Moore was stirring whipped cream into the eggnog when out on the lawn there arose such a clatter he sprang to the deck to see what was the matter. When what to his wondering eyes did appear, thrust from the windshield of his van like a spear, was the snow-crusted runner of an overloaded sleigh. His windshield was shattered on Christmas Eve day. Whatever on earth could the poor man do? Not a creature was stirring. Who would he sue? And then, up on the rooftop, a cry could be heard. Ho, 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 don't you worry. The windshield's insured. I'm Tiny of Tiny and Sons Glass. We come to your work or rooftop, and we replace your windshield. My boys do a good job. one 888 tinies Happy Christmas to all. Don't miss the Just Steph Show every Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. for fun guests and tips on living your best life every day. I'm bringing sexy back to Monday nights. Tonight from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. Find Monday Night Talk on Facebook and share your opinions. Go to 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. All right, we are back, and again, this is the South Shore Fire Chiefs Roundtable uh, featuring Plimpton Fire Chief Steve Silva, uh, Brockton Fire Chief Brian Nardelli, and Whitman Fire Chief Tim Clancy. And uh, hopefully you've heard the, the first part. Uh, there's more conversation. I, I think we could probably talk for a couple of hours. <laughs> and if anything, these are these, these, the, uh, the abridged version of a lot of what you, you gentlemen deal with your your firehouses deal with. Uh, and it's kind of important. It really is. Um, let, let's talk about storms and, and power outages. 
Um, what are your concerns as chiefs when these roll around and you get high winds and power gets knocked out and you've got 30,000 people who don't have power and you're on the horn with National Grid or whoever the provider is mm-hmm. in the area? Mm-hmm. Steve? Well, we uh, to this group here, we're a little bit unique. When we lose power in my town, we lose drinking water because every town, every house in the town has a private well. So unless they have a generator backup, which is a whole other topic of conversation, mm. how that works, um, we, we lose the ability for people to, sounds crass, but even to flush their jaw in, mm-hmm. right? And if this goes on for multiple days, it, it becomes very problematic. Right, yeah. um, a few years ago, we had a situation where we had lost power, and we were today two or three, I think, and it was getting rather rough out there. And we, we reached out to Eversource, and made it clear what we were up against. And, and I got to give them credit. I don't think they realized the, uh, the, the problem we would run into in, in Plimpton when we lose power, the gravity of it. It wasn't so much, you know, I can't turn the light switch on. I, I can't get water to come out of my faucet. And they, they did rise to the occasion once they understood, and they've been very good with us ever since. But we lose power a lot in my town. We really do. That's because of a lot of, you get a lot of trees, you have well, a lot that's of it. Yes, very rural areas. You ma- the you rural mentioned. areas, yeah, there's transmission lines that come through, they get knocked down. The normal lines coming down the street, we have a lot of tree damage all the time. There's a lot of insect damage mm-hmm. in the trees. Um, so our our challenges are, are, are interesting at times, and, and, and how do you get water to people? That's the hard part. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like such a basic necessity you take for granted, but it really isn't. The, the interesting thing is, I think that National Grid, and you can agree or disagree, gentlemen, National Grid and Eversource, so I think mm-hmm. it has changed their names, um, they've had to they've had to come up because I think yes. that the state and I think the fire chiefs yes. have yeah. pu- put a lot of oh, we did. pressure on them to respond, respond quick, mm-hmm. so you guys could get the messages out to the residents in your communities as to what's being done. Absolutely. I think if you go back... We had some real tough storms, 2010, 2011. Chief Francis, one of my predecessors at the time, actually testified in front of the Department of Public Utilities about they got to step up their game. And I can I can say I think you have to keep on the utilities. Remember, they're a for-profit organization. Right. They are looking at the bottom line. They're looking at it. And that, that's, that's capitalism. That's the way businesses run, and I understand that. But um, if you don't... And, and one of the good things is, is that they have a new gentleman at, at National Grid we just met with back just before um, just before Thanksgiving and he said I want to hear the good the bad the ugly from the utilities committee from uh, fire chiefs association and and basically my thing that I had to say to him was you need to be prepared you know the storm's coming you can't be preparing day of 24 hours before we need to have those things prepared of who's going to sit one of the things people don't realize when a power line goes down in a community and goes across the street it is a major danger to everyone that's out on the roads anyone kids walking by so we as public safety officials in our communities we now sit a fire truck on that now we sit another fire truck now we sit another fire truck now well, we only have so many resources. Right. Mm-hmm. Now my fire trucks are all tied up on that. If you go back to October of 2021, we had two multiple on fires going on in the city of Brockton at the same time. The worst time you can have a fire in a community is during a storm because what are all my community partners in, in surrounding towns doing? Yeah, you mean this? They're, they're all tied up on calls too. Right. So 
National Grid, the last meeting we had, was very responsive to this. They understood. So when we start to look to see we're going to have that next big storm, trust me, they'll be hearing me from me ahead of time to make sure. <laughs> but, you know, preparation is the biggest component to this on their part. We're preparing. They should be too. Tim, do you feel that the national the national grids and the air resources have been um, more receptive knowing that there's a storm rolling around uh, the corner a couple of days in advance that, that are they mobilizing trucks a lot sooner uh, one of the things that we've done is we started the zoom meetings ahead of time yes we start meeting ahead of time uh, the October storm and the blizzard the blizzard later in the year we started meetings days before and they started telling us what they had for resources coming in because it as Chief Nardelli said, we've had problems in the past. I think what we've done is we've developed a good relationship with them. They have heard our committee and our chair speak to them as to our concerns. And I think they're working towards that. Um, I think for the three of us, I can say we have a really, really good relationship mm -hmm. with them. We call them. We understand. And what we're looking for is the truth. Is it going to be 24 hours yes. or are we looking at 72 hours? Because right. that changes how we're viewing things. 24 hours, we're probably okay. You know, generally they feel, generally when you look at some of the emergency management stuff, we feel that people can be, should be able to reside in their own homes for 24 hours. And then that's when we're going to have to branch out into, we pretty early on will start charging stations and warming centers. We also do the same reverse in the summer. We'll do a cooling center and a charging center right. without power, obviously, so that we can have our plans. If we know we're going to go past that 24-hour range, then that's when we have to start looking at the regional shelters, or local shelters, and really when we have to get on the emergency management side of it and gear up for a possible long-term event. And I think I can say re recently we've gotten pretty accurate information. If anything else, our time frames have been much shorter than what has been relayed to us originally. I think there's a component, too, which when we have those realistic estimations that we're getting from them, the public's not always going to be satisfied with that anyways. They want it right back right away. And and, and you can understand that. Now, it's an instant at, society. Yeah, it's an instant society. <laughs> it really instant is. gratification. It is. Right. Yep. But you look at a position like Chief Silva's position, no drinking water, you, you have a sanitation issue on top of mm -hmm. the power issue now. So, But I think, you know, we have a good program. They lay it out very well. They help us to understand, you know, if, if, if it's going to be this type of a storm, this will be the outlay. You have to look at 72 hours before. before. And us knowing that, you know, it allows us now to make us to make plans to be able to open shelters, do what needs to be done to get there. It's when you they they years ago they would overpromise and underdeliver. I think they understand we're realistic people, but we just need the proper prep to know what it is going to happen beforehand. You know, Chief, you bring up a really good point um, about the, the planning aspect. You know, as emergency management directors as well, um, I, I've seen changes in how that's. Um, addressed. I think one of the big uh, turning points on that was the Lawrence situation when they had the gas problem up there. And I think that proved to us that we need to make plans and those plans have to be executed. I know with uh, with my uh, counterparts at Eversource, it's 72 hours out, they start ramping up, mm -hmm. putting up. And we're seeing that on statewide with MEMA, Massachusetts Emergency Management Agency. Thank you for putting that out there, there the go. acronym, yes. Exactly. And we start seeing now more planning, more um, more professionalism in how we approach things. It's no longer getting up in the morning, looking out the uh, window and going, right. oh, look, there's six inches of snow on the ground. I wonder if there's school today. <laughs> it doesn't work that <laughs> doesn't way. Like I, I can remember as a kid sitting there with, uh, what was it, WBET in Brockton, right? Yeah, used to sit there waiting right? to find out. Yeah, you yeah, you're going to have school. We know all this ahead of time now, and we can start making the plans. Are the plans perfect? Absolutely not. But we have a place to start. 
and that's the important thing. Even this past week with the rain events yep. coming with the elevated winds, we started getting notices several, you know, a couple days before. Exactly. And they've been starting to do a little bit of prelim projecting mm-hmm. for the future so that we can all be on the same page. But, but the communication's key in allowing us to prepare. If they're properly prepared, then we can prepare and then come up with a team plan to make it work. I, I think I think it goes to the whole fact too when you talk about this stuff. You know, we have contacts, we have people we work with on a regular basis at National Grid, at Eversource. Having those conversations right now, they call them clear sunny days. Or mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what blue sky days. Blue sky days. Blue sky days. But when you have those conversations on blue sky days, that helps you in dark and cloudy days. It's the same thing we do in the fire service. You know, I mean, Chief Clancy's right next door to me. You know, there's certain areas of my city on on, on the east side that I have concerns about that he's going to go to mutual aid if we have something going on. Well, I got to talk about those on blue sky days with him rather than 3 a.m. Oh, yeah, by the way, I meant to tell you this. It's the same thing with the utilities aspects. Can we we take a moment and, and help remind our listeners, those who are tuning in to the show Monday Night Talk on 95.9 WATD about the things that you'd be thinking about now and preparing for, for a winter storm, a winter storm that can knock out your power. Some of the things they should, they should maybe already have already squirreled away, whether it's warm blankets, maybe having your car being, your vehicle being uh, safety proofed in case you get stuck in a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Can we remind folks of the things that they should keep in mind when it comes to, if they lose power for a few days, they should be prepared at home or in the vehicle? Well, make sure you have cases of water if you're in Plimpton. Yep. Oh, right, my Chief? God, yes. <laughs> no, seriously, five, though. That's five seriously. Five-gallon five jugs of water. Yeah, well, you know what I've seen people joke, do, yeah. which is not a bad idea, uh, is they fill their bathtubs. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at no least... Kidding. No, it's it means there, there's... Are the claw-footed ones, or...? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, is it, they have to have them out to the pump on the yard. That's a whole other story. But... In all seriousness, you know, it, with with us, it's you know, okay. So how are they going to get their water? Well, do they have a generator? Mm. Is it installed, or did somebody just run down to Home Depot and buy a generator? Nothing against that, but then how do you attach it to your house? Yeah. Where do you put it? You'd be surprised how many people take that generator and they don't want it to get wet. So where do they put it in the garage? Yeah. Right now we got a it's carbon monoxide problem. Yep. And people get sick and sometimes worse than sick because non, of that. Non-perishables, flashlights, oh, the crazy things yep. like flashlights, batteries, batteries, for flashlights. flashlights. Not have, milk and bread. So no. <laughs> when, my, when my kids were young, you know, they want, when you say a flashlight, it's like running around, they want to run around with a flashlight. Right. I had a place in my house I would store batteries just so I knew they couldn't get to them, so right. I knew when I needed them, they could play around with those. But those are the types of things you sure. really need to keep in mind, non-perishables, blankets, food. You know, yeah, I, don't, I'm, I, I don't like heavy sweatshirts. Well, in the middle of February when you lose your power, you're gonna it's love pretty them. damn cold out there. Yeah. You know what? You're going you're gonna to love a heavy sweatshirt. Now. Yeah, you know, a food cache, non-perishables, yeah. mm-hmm. batteries, some lighting devices. Uh, we prefer if you don't use candles, to yes. be honest with you, mm-hmm. use flashlights. We've mm-hmm. had incidents in our community specifically mm-hmm. in which... And now with new LED images, flashlights, they last they, forever. They last forever. Yeah, and I'll throw, I'll throw another thing out there. These things, they got lithium batteries that you can buy on the on the cheap that you can charge up. They'll give you eight hours of power that mm-hmm. you can plug into. You don't have to worry about it emitting any harmful fumes or, or carbon monoxide. And uh, if you're going to have batteries, you'd also have a transistor radio so you can yes. tune in in case you lose your power. You listen to your local radio station for all the updates as to what's going on. Because a lot of times, uh, local radio stations equal local officials who are calling in and talking about what's going on and giving you the latest updates on on weather forecasts and what's going on. Absolutely. Because you know what? That old transistor radio that 
it, it's going to be different. You're not going to be able to get on your Twitter and all kinds of Facebook to see what's going on. And that brings Absolutely. up a good point. I th we all talk a lot in the October storm. There was a point in our community that we lost cell contact. Yeah, we, we were unable. The gener the sites went down. Yep. The, the cell sites went down, and we were able to see each other, line of sight, but we were unable to talk to each other. Is that crazy? Um, and it brought That's up a lot of questions about how we could be more resilient as far as battery backups, satellite radios, going to a direct channel on our aspect, but for the people out there, a transistor radio or just a good old-fashioned radio mm -hmm. would be a great asset during a, a power outage. You know, the other thing, Chronicle just did a special on this recently really? about people who stock up in their homes and mm -hmm. you know are, are prepared for the worst. And it was pretty interesting because I thought I was pretty prepared. I wasn't close to what these people were, <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. The other thing is, too, is I think, especially older people like myself, uh, landlines, right? We all had, you pick up the phone, it was hung up on the wall. Mm -hmm. Okay, try to find one now. I know I don't have one. We all rely on our cell phones, right? So a lot of the reverse 911 stuff we had done in the past, mm -hmm. people get missed, mm -hmm. you know, uh, or they use the uh, the voice over IP phones, the Comcast type yeah. phone, and, and not all of that interfaces well with how we do notifications. So the old-fashioned radio, if you got one, they, you can buy them on Amazon. They have the crank on them. Have yeah. you seen that? Yeah, so you don't even need yeah. a battery. Yeah. Um, the communications is always the key in any emergency plan. I, I know Chief Clancy and I have run into this a few times that that's what fails. One, one of the biggest things that we've tried to do recently is with our reverse 911 notification system is to do it earlier. Mm -hmm. um, there's a fine line, right? You don't want to get people desensitized to it. Right. We're sending out a million reverse 911 calls, people stop paying attention to them. Yeah. I try to get it out 24 hours or so before the storm so it'll give people ample time to um, prepare if they haven't already. And so they have a good chain of communication. I have to bring up the generator thing. Please, please don't run them in your garage or your house. We just have, we ran into that. Yeah, not, not too close storm. to your house. You want to keep it a distance away, away so you don't have doors, that. Yeah. Anything. Right. During the October storm, we ran into that with um, a young girl. Basically, saved her family. They they had run it in the yep. home, and they all had carbon monoxide poisoning. Transported a number of people to the hospital. Well, that's scary stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, how about code red? Is that it? the 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 system? Is that something that's also folks should think about signing up for? So you can go to in Whitman specifically. You can go to the town website and sign up for notifications. I'm sure the other communities are the same. same with us, yeah. You can go to the town website, sign up for the communications, and you can pick up how you want them. Email, mm -hmm. um, cellular, landline, yep. if people mm -hmm. still have landlines, and so that we can get it out there when we put it out. And my, my goal is about 24 hours ahead of time. Another great program that's out there, too, is the Are You OK program. Yep. Um, yeah, sure. And that's fantastic, especially for some of our older citizens. Yep. Just somebody picking up the phone and calling, going, Are You OK? Yeah. And we've got a lot of calls out of there going, no, I'm not. It could be something as simple as I haven't been able to get to CVS to get my prescription. Mm -hmm. Well, call us. We'll get it for you. We'll figure it out. Again, if you're just tuning in, we get the, the, the last few minutes of the South Shore Fire Chiefs roundtable with uh, Brockton Fire Chief Brian Nardelli, uh, Tim Clancy, with the Women Fire Chief, and Plimpton's Fire Chief, Steve Silva. Uh, let's kind of navigate into uh, what you gentlemen are going to be having a conversation if you, it hasn't already started, and that is budget season. How important is it that folks know that, you know, what the ask may be when it's it's for additional manpower, whether it's to keep your equipment up to date, that, you know, it's you're quite serious about it, Tim. I think one of the things that I try to do is to show why. It's just, it's just not because. I want to do this why. Why do I want to change this apparatus? Uh, apparatus replacement program 
because in the long run, it's going to save us maintenance fees. Mm -hmm. If we can get onto a cycle, uh, I'll use the examples for uh, ambulances, for example. Mm -hmm. they, they are used a lot. So if we can get onto a decent replacement schedule, we can save some of the bigger maintenance costs long term. Such a, Same thing with fire trucks and ladders. Mm -hmm. Staffing is always a concern. I mean, there's not, not one of us sitting here at the table that will not say they want more staffing. But we have to look at the big picture and be a good partner in our community to see where it fits in. Maybe this year is not the year. Maybe next year is the year right. to see where we're at. Uh, we're getting ready to start it. I go in the first week of January to present my my prelim budget and see where we go from there. Um, it's to maintain the services that the townspeople of Whitman expect and want, but more importantly, deserve. They, d they deserve that high level of quality care, whether it's a fire or an EMS call. I want to be able to provide them with the best opportunity. So so before Chief Nardelli, because your piece of the pie differs from sure. whether it's uh, Chief Clancy or Chief Silva. Mm -hmm. Chief Silva talk about, uh, you know, Going in and talking about your budget for fiscal 24 sure. and, and what it's like. So it's it, it's difficult in a town like mine because we are 98% residential. We don't have an industrial or Fixed commercial incomes. base really to work with. Um, and our mean income, although it looks high on paper perhaps compared to some other communities, it really isn't when you think about them. A lot of people are on fixed income, so the, the pie is only so big. I think the problem that um, a lot of the citizenry don't understand, and, and that's on us, I think, because we don't... One of the things about the fire service is we go out, we do the job, and if somebody pats you on the back and say, great job, we just say, hey, we're doing our job, right? We don't. We really don't promote ourselves well. And things have changed so much over the years, we kind of talked about that a little bit, but from being uh, a first responder to an EMT to paramedics now to advanced paramedics, I mean, the, the, the gamut we do on the medical side, it never would have been something you would have dreamed of 30 years ago, but it comes at a cost. Uh, the equipment's more expensive. We all know about fuel. We're all, whether you're in the business or not, uh, getting hit with that. And our people are more, when I say they're more professional, I don't mean it in the sense that they didn't act professional before, but no, these are more educated people. Uh, most of my people all have at least a bachelor's degree. Many of them are working on their master's. I know a couple working on PhDs. And... It sounds like, oh, this is fluff. This is overkill. No, it's not. That's how complicated the job has become. Whether you're It's evolved. A, it has. And whether you're working in the planning end of uh, emergency management, which you're planning for everything from as relatively simple as a snowstorm to what happens when, and not if, when that hurricane hits our coast, yeah. what do we do now? Mm -hmm. And this takes an educated workforce, and we need to pay that workforce. And that's, I think, the hard part. People really don't understand what we do, and that we need to do a better job at doing Chief Nardelli, yours, I've followed Brockton. I've followed all three communities, more so Brockton and Whitman. Nope. Yeah, a little Plimpton. <laughs> a little Plimpton here and there. Um, but it's there's been ebbs and flows over the years with Brockton because you don't just have one firehouse. You don't just have two. Mm, you have six. You have six. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. They're, they're spread out yeah. strategically around mm -hmm. the city. And, you know, if, if there's funding issues mm -hmm. you might have to reduce staffing one you might even have to pick days that you have to close a firehouse and that's happened talk about how difficult yeah, it is that's to, very difficult you know a, a city of a hundred thousand at least on paper what it's like to make sure you have proper staffing and fight for those valuable dollars mm -hmm. whether it's for staffing or for equipment i think I, I i couldn't agree more and we've seen those ebbs and flows i've seen them 
in my career, before I started in the fire service, it was very difficult. They laid off 31 firefighters back in 1991. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things, though, as fire chiefs, we have to look at and say, how can we, to Chief Clancy's point, be better partners within the community? Community. I think uh, the, looking at the three of us, we're, all three of us are very aggressive with our grants. Department of Fire Services, FEMA, a number of different things. The, Brockton, the city of Brockton, just, we just received a FEMA grant. Um, for safer, so um, for adequate staffing for fire service personnel. So what that did is that's bringing 16 new faces that the city doesn't have to pay for for the next three years. It gives us three years to figure out how we're going to pay for them at the end. And I think that's important because if we're not, if we're not going after those grants, I don't think we're really doing our part of the job. So every time, right. you know, I'm sure all of us right here, we just talked about it recently. The Department of Fire Services put out a safety and equipment grant. We all got our piece of the pie. You spoke of lithium-ion batteries evolving in the fire service, right? We're, we, have su- we have so many issues now with lithium-ion batteries, and our piece of our pie with that grant we just received from DFS is going to buy equipment to combat fires with lithium-ion batteries. Again, what is out there is what, what is put out to the fire service to handle, we're going to handle. But I think we need to go after things. We need to find different ways of funding. But I think in the end, it really comes down to, and, and the city's been great since I took over. We have three new pieces of apparatus on order right now. Nice. Um, we got a grant for a heavy rescue that we're hoping to be putting in service this summer with with the ad, with those new positions, um, those 16 new positions. But staffing is a huge part of this. Um, we can have all the pretty fire trucks in the world, but the firefighters put out the fires. And that's when you really look at the big picture. If you are in a difficult situation, you want a warm body there. To, Tim, to Chief Clancy's point at the beginning, that mother who has a brand new child, she won't hand that child off to anyone. She will hand it off to a firefighter. We should also take a moment to talk about, when you're talking about equipment, also making sure that it's safe gear. We know that there's there's issues with mm-hmm. previous uh, uh, issued turnout gear and making sure that... It's a huge problem. It continues. It's a huge problem in knowing that it's something that's a silent killer. Uh, you know, with gear that you're hoping that is, you know, is going to protect you, not necessarily give you some kind of a, a long-term illness. Let's Absolutely. talk about that just for a moment. I mean, the big focus originally was on IAFFF, the foam with the PFAS. Yep. Um, and then as the studies evolved, we find out that it is in our gear. So, the, and the thing is that's, that's sad. When you look at the statistics of what kills us in the fire service people you know they they i think people get the whole chicago fire tv show sort of thing you know the guy falls to the roof but that's hollywood it does happen don't get me wrong yeah that's hollywood yeah what gets us is cancer what gets us is heart disease what gets us unfortunately is suicide there's a lot of things that that hit us in the fire service and, and, and it's all preventable. And the interesting part is on the cancer side, most of that is, it's not lung cancer that's getting us. Oh. It's different organ cancers mm-hmm. that are linked directly to our gear. Fire gear. When, yeah. when, when, I was, when I was new in the fire service, I'd get married, I would have a fire, I'd go to bed three days later, it's still coming out of my pores. After I take a shower, it's the worst. You reopen your pores, that's what... So everyone would say, oh, he died. He must have died of lung cancer. That's what they get because they breathe in all that smoke. It's actually yeah. absorbing through our pores. So how do you think that PFAS now that's in the gear, that's absorbing through our pores as well? And those are cancer-causing agents. They are, called, they are what is called forever chemicals. If you looked at the... Um, 
the fallen firefighters memorial, the leading cause of death was listed for many years and still is to an extent as heart disease. It's actually cancer tenfold over that. Mm -hmm. The problem was for many years they didn't have a way to track it. Now they're tracking the process and they're seeing the cancer numbers through the roof. Um, but early prevention, I, mean, we, I think we're, we all have a, a good site on our memberships to look at them and say, you've got to get checked, you've got to see, go to annual physicals. A lot of different programs coming out through FCAM and the P uh, Professional Firefighters mm -hmm. of Mass. There's a lot of programs out there that everybody should be taking advantage of to see where we go. Will we end up in PFAS free gear? Ho hopefully. Mm -hmm. There's no guarantees right mm -hmm. now. You can get documentation as such. The gear that we're currently wearing is, is a lower amount, mm -hmm. but no matter how you look at it, it is still there. Mm -hmm. And to build upon what Chief Nardelli said, you're sweating, you're operating, you're encapsulated. How is that getting into us? It's getting into us through our pores. Goodness. Gentlemen, we're, we're plumb out of time. Anything we haven't touched upon, but you want to at least take a moment to touch upon, or do you feel like we kind of hit all the high spots? I think the high spots. Thank you for I having think, us. Yeah. Thank you for really having us. Appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you. I want to wish everybody out there a very merry, merry Christmas. Uh, be safe, especially when it comes to uh, having, if you have a natural uh, Christmas tree, they're beautiful, yes. but make sure you water them, keep an eye on them, because the last thing you want to have have happen is have a spark and the tree's gone and all the gifts under it are gone as well. Absolutely. Uh, Chiefs, I want to thank you. Let's let's try to do this again, if Absolutely. possible, in about Absolutely. five or six weeks. Do a touch base. And again, you have been tuned in to Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 WATD until next week at 6.15 p.m. I'll be back in this very room, and we'll be talking about new topics and new issues. Have yourself a great night. Rockton. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. WATD. Streaming online at 959WATD.com and with your smart speaker just by saying play WATD. This is CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by Dell Small Business. I'm Jennifer Kuyper in Chicago at the January 6th House Committee's final public meeting. Republican Vice Chair Liz Cheney says President Trump would not call off supporters attacking the Capitol. No man who would behave that way at that moment in time can ever serve in any position of authority in our nation again. He is unfit for any office. The panel is urging the Justice Department to bring criminal charges against the former president and several of his allies. CBS's Major Garrett calls it unprecedented. It will be the weightiest decision this Justice Department will ever have to make because we've never indicted a former president, let alone one seeking that office again.
Trump says it's an attempt to keep him from running for president. A guilty verdict for former movie mogul Harvey Weinstein. A Los Angeles jury finds Harvey Weinstein guilty of three counts of sexual assault, including rape. The 70-year-old was charged with seven criminal counts involving four different women. Weinstein was acquitted of sexual battery against another accuser, and a mistrial has been declared on the other counts. Attorney Gloria Allred represents one of those women. Even though there was a mistrial today in reference to her, she was very brave and testified against him. Weinstein is already serving a 23-year prison sentence after a New York jury convicted him of rape involving other women. Matt Piper, CBS News. A late-week storm is expected to bring snow, wind, and bitter temps to the country's midsection. CBS meteorologist David Parkinson. We have a wind chill watch in effect in Colorado on Wednesday evening straight through Thursday that will see temperatures with feels-like numbers down as low as negative 50. The B-2 bomber pauses operations to check aircraft safety after an in-flight emergency on one days ago. CBS's David Martin. The stand-down has forced the cancellation of at least one high-profile mission. A scheduled flyover of the Rose Bowl Parade and Rose Bowl on January 2nd of the new year. A B-1 bomber will conduct the flyover instead. Former Cincinnati Reds ace Tom Browning has died. CBS's Peter King. For starters, Tom Browning won 20 games as a rookie in 1985. Three years later, he became only the 12th pitcher to do this. And Tom Browning has pitched a perfect game. Marty Brenneman on Reds Radio. Then in 1990, Browning may have become the only player to do this during a World Series game. Tom 